You know, we live in a world um, where it's not just a physical world. We're living in a spiritual world as well. There are, there are unseen forces at work. Now, God is invisible. He's not a force. He is incredibly intelligent. He thinks. He has feelings. And he is the most alive being in the whole universe. He is everywhere. He's able to do all things. And we learn about Jesus, who came as a human, who is 100% God, and he has been given all authority over all things. Now, here's what's really cool. There is no one superior to God in the whole universe. And yet we know that there is an enemy called Satan, or he has a second name called Devil. We know that the, that the uh, Satan and the Devil uh, are described in the Bible as um, the God, little g, of this world. Um, and they have uh, demonic forces that they are using to actually oppose and to, and to frustrate the kingdom of God. But here's good news to everybody today. Um, this is what Jesus was sent to do. And Paul's writing to the, the church in Colossae, and he writes this. He said to Christians, he said, you were dead because of your sins. Like that lady. She was dying on the outside. She was dying on the inside. And that was the bigger problem. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, you were, uh, was not yet cut away. Then, I love the word then. It's like, that's not all. Then God made you alive with Christ. This lady is about to physically die, but she recognises that she's got a sin problem and she asks God, Jesus, would you forgive me? And Jesus forgives her. And what happens next? She's 90, about to physically die, but she comes alive on the inside. For he forgave all our sins. She's not only free, she's got a new life. And he cancelled the record of the charges. Do you know each one of us has got a rap sheet? Some of you got a real rap sheet. Simone's <laughs> going, yeah, me. <laughs> Some, but here's the cool thing. Rap sheet, uh, long, short, we've all got a rap sheet, right? In front of God, the judge, we've all got a rap sheet. And here's the good news. He cancelled your rap sheet against us. And he takes your rap sheet, which could be a folder like this thick, and he gets a big nail and he goes, bang and bang. And your rapture gets nailed to the cross. How good is that? Dead. You are guilty as. And the good news is that when you trust Jesus to take your sins, when you ask him to forgive your sins, he nails your rapture to the cross. And in this way, in this way, this is a spiritual warfare, in this way, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. There is a demonic authority or hierarchy of spiritual rules and authorities. But there is also a hierarchy under God. The hierarchy is God, humans and angels. And here's what's amazing. Christians have been given an authority that is greater than Satan and his demons on the face of the earth. And we don't realize it. That under Jesus' name, we've been given authority to disarm the 
the spiritual rulers and authorities that we come into face-to-face with on daily lives. You notice when you look at Jesus' life, you don't see too many incidences where he's directly talking to Satan. Right? There's only one or two, maybe. One is in the wilderness where he's being tempted by the devil. The second is in the Garden of Gethsemane where you kind of get this sense that he's being tempted to, to ask God to take away this thing and he's being tempted to give up. And he goes, no, not my will, but your will be done. He's being tempted to take the easy way out. But do you know where I see the warfare in the, good, in the Gospels as I read them, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John? Do you know where I see it? I see it in Jesus going up to individuals and he finds out where the devil's at work in their life, where sin is at work in their life, and he starts setting them free. This is good news. It's good news for every single person. And this is what John, 1 John says, the reason that Jesus came, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. And you see Jesus just hitting his works left, right and centre. And we're going to read a passage from Luke later on this morning. And you're going to find out that the left, right and centre that Jesus was doing, he sent his disciples out to do and is still asking his people to do it today. Through his obedience and submission, Jesus has been given authority over all things. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority, all authority on heaven and in earth has been given to me. That is a real snapshot from Daniel chapter 7, where um, the Ancient of Days, the Father in heaven, bestows upon the Son of Man, Jesus, all authority, all dominion, all rule, and people bow down and worship him. And then in Colossians chapter 1, which we talked about a few weeks ago, Jesus is described as having all things given to him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 talks about all things and that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what we get from all those passages is that Jesus, through his obedience and submission, has been given authority over heaven, over earth, over the physical things of this world and over the spiritual things of this world, everything seen and everything unseen, all the powers, the rulers, authorities, and over nations and people. There is nothing outside of his authority. Nothing. There's nothing greater than his authority. So when Jesus gets to his first sermon, he's given the book of Isaiah, which is a scroll, not a book, It's a scroll and he goes like this and he reads from Isaiah chapter 61, which was that daily reading that was prescribed by the the synagogue leader. And Jesus starts reading out, uh, okay, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free and to release prisoners. And then he he says a few more things and he rolls up and he said, this came true today. When it says the spirit of the Lord has anointed me, he could have said the spirit of the Lord has made me king. And to proclaim good news. Here's the good news. I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. What's a brokenhearted person? You ever been brokenhearted? Someone ever broken your heart? Suffered, it's, a really, it's, it's one of the most worst afflictions you could possibly get, a broken heart. 
But here's the thing. Um, Jesus came to set both captives and prisoners free. Now, I'm going to give you a little 30-second window to talk to the person that you're with or to turn around if you're sitting by yourself and talk to another person and try and figure out what is the difference between a prisoner and a captive. And is there a difference? Because Jesus came to set both of them free. This was good news. What's the difference? Prisoner is where I do things wrong and I pay a consequence. There's a punishment. We know that ultimately the punishment of sin is death, but there is a consequence to sin that occurs in this, that there are wages that we pay right now when we do stuff wrong. Sometimes we don't see them, some other times you see them immediately. You know, when you, you're, you're angry or you cheat or you lie, sometimes the consequences catch up with you. Sometimes you don't see the consequences because you think you get away with it. Eventually God says, yeah, but I know. But you become a prisoner to that sin. And here's what's interesting. When you become a prisoner to that sin, it becomes an open doorway for the devil to start taking control of that area of your life. That's my experience. But it's also equally true that you could be a captive where someone has done something to you by no fault of your own and there's an injustice that plays against you that keeps you locked up in what they've done. It could be that someone has abused you uh, verbally, sexually, physically. It could be that um, someone ripped you off, stole from you, someone lied about you. Uh, defamed your name, made you look stupid, made you look bad. And all of a sudden, that, that injustice sits on you and then you start to live in that injustice. Let me just give you a, a quick illustration of this. Um, this happened to me this week and I have permission from my daughter to share this story. In 2000, I can't remember, she was finishing off her year 12 and halfway, about halfway through year 12, she got very ill with a microbacterial infection in her body, which resulted in her sleeping about 20 hours a day. Uh, that meant when she was awake for that four hours, she was basically like this, sitting in a chair and could hardly move, no energy, completely wasted. It was extremely, extremely hard for her. It was extremely hard for us as a family to have a daughter so reliant on us and unable, and just the stress that she experienced of wanting to be better and not being able to finish her HSC or her year 12 and, and all sorts of things happened. Anyway, what happened during that time is um, she um, experienced uh, great um, feelings of being trapped and then fear and panic became partners with her. It was no fault of her own. She didn't choose to get sick, right? This sickness hit her. And then this fear and this panic started to get onto her. And when she turned, um, I can't remember how old, she, she had actually got better and she got her first car. And the thing about having a first car for her was this idea of not being trapped anymore. She could get in a car and drive and go somewhere and, not, and just get out. And um, the other day, something, um, without going into it, um, something happened with her car and she was very upset and we were talking about it and I'd shared some things about how to let go of it and she was at our place and I walked outside. I needed to give her time to process because she was upset. She came out to me, she said, Dad, I think I figured out 
why I feel triggered and why I feel messed up about this. She said, that car represented freedom to me. And um, when I felt trapped, and as soon as she said the word trapped, she doubled over in pain and had this sheer, this sense of shooting pain in her belly. At that moment, she said she felt trapped because she'd been praying and she came out to talk to me about what had triggered her. And at that very moment, I knew God was at work and I knew that the enemy was at work in her body, but the enemy had given himself up. He'd given himself away. He had allowed himself to, to reveal himself through pain. And I, I immediately, I didn't panic. I just spoke quietly to Zoe. I said, she goes, Dad, what's happening? What's happening? I said, darling, what's happening is, is that you have become a captive to something that happened back then and you had panic and fear come into your life and it started to control your life. Because Zoe has suffered from panic attacks. She had a panic attack when we went to my son's uh, wedding on the trip um, back from Germany to Australia. She had a panic attack because she was the, the sitting in between two people in seats of three. I don't know if you've ever had the, the middle seat and a long trip. She just didn't know either person and she freaked out because she felt trapped. And so panic attack and she hyperventilated, thought she was going to heart attack and the whole thing. Anyway... So she's going through this experience and I go, there's something demonic going here and it's revealing myself. I said, let's work through this. Oh, hang on. I just said, darling, something's taken control of your life and it's resulting in you having these panic attacks. Let's just address this in three simple steps. And I just said, I want you just to take, um, I want you to pray to Jesus and I want you to tell him you're sorry for allowing fear and panic to take a control of your life. So she just, just, she's crying in pain, but she goes, yeah, I'll do that. And so she says, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for allowing fear and panic to enter my life and to control my life. And I told her to put her hand on her belly. And then I said, and then she'd done that. And now I said, now I need you to address the enemy that's attacking your body. And I need you to cancel, tell that enemy the contract that he's had over your life is now broken and cancelled. So she goes, I just speak to that enemy of fear and panic in my body and I tell you in the name of Jesus, that contract is broken over me. And as soon as she did that, the pain started to subside. It started to leave her body. About a couple of minutes went by and just let her calm down. She said, Dad, it feels like I've just been stabbed. She said, but it is getting, it's not as bad now. And I said, well, you actually have been attacked. I said, when you, when you said that you feel like you've been trapped, you named it and it reacted. Right? And, I, and I said, so now we need to renew. I said, let's just ask Jesus to come in and to bring his spirit of healing into that place where you have been bound and a prisoner and a captive. Right? So she did that. She just invited Jesus to come into her physical being and into her soul and to renew her. She went through those three things. Zoe was partly, mainly a captive, but partly a prisoner because she had somehow adopted, unwittingly and unconsciously adopted some of these things into her body and allowed them to rule and control her life. And I don't think she set out to do it, it just happened. But she was both a prisoner and captive. And I've got some good news for you. My daughter was set free that day. 
How good is Jesus? And you know what? It was really cool because all I did without raising my voice is I would walk with her and then I would say to that, now, you've been told, get out of her. In the name of Jesus, just leave her. And I didn't pray. I didn't do any big, long things. I just said, go. Simple authority. When you know the one who's in authority, you don't have to use lots of words. You just say, go, and it goes. So this is three keys to freedom, and Brad talked about that last week. And you, I, want, I want you to go away with this idea that Jesus' Jesus's ministry and the ministry that he's given to his church is that we are people who are called to set the prisoners free. This is good news. Now, you personally might have stuff in your life, right, where you need to repent, renounce, and renew yourself to Jesus. And as you do... Things that are in control of your life will lose their control. But you guess what? Then you become someone who's got good news to tell others and you've got three things that you can tell them. Well, if you're, getting, you're controlled by something, there's three simple steps that you need to take. You need to tell God you're sorry that that's controlled your life. You need to cancel the contract with the devil and tell I have a new contract with Jesus. And then you need to invite Jesus into that place in your life. And you can help them become people who are set free by the good news of Jesus. His death, his resurrection is yours to give away. How good is that? Jesus has given us authority and a power. The authority is the right to rule or act and the ability to rule or act. We have a policeman in our first service this morning. He has a badge and he has a gun. Which one of those is the authority and which one is the power? I guess the gun is the authority, right? Because you can actually have a gun but have no authority, right? But if you have authority and no gun, you have no power. And here's the good news, people. You have been given as children of God both his authority and his power. Now, they're probably not a really not here to shoot people. But you get my idea. The authority is the right to act and the power is the ability to act on what you've been given authority over. So here's what's beautiful. If you imagine a king's court, and there are people, there are thrones set up in a court, and anybody on a throne has authority and they have power. You remember the story of Joseph in Genesis? You remember the story that um, he, he explains to Pharaoh a dream, and the Pharaoh gives him the right to an authority to be the second in charge of all his kingdom, and he gives him the authority and power to do everything that is needed to combat the coming famine. And Joseph does that. Well, Joseph is second, he's sitting at the king's right hand and he has this authority and power to do everything. He has all the king's servants under him. Well, this is the same power that Jesus has given those who are joint heirs with Jesus, as Ephesians talks about in chapter 1. And this is what it says, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, which is when we were not Christians and we were not forgiven for our sins, God who is rich, made us alive. And it's by grace you've been saved. It's not because you're special. It's not because you're really good, but because he's really good that I get saved. And God raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In other words, he gave all those who believe in Jesus authority and power to destroy the works of the evil one and to disarm them just as he did. All right, so 
We're going to get into breakout groups and you're going to read this passage together and you're going to read the story of Jesus first sending out 12 and then sending out 72. What I really love about this story is that Jesus didn't give authority and power just to 12 really cool apostle guys back 2,000 years ago and nobody else ever since has had any authority and any power. Right now, every single Christian who is present in this room has access to Jesus' authority and power and the good news that he came preaching and Jesus is sending you to do the same. There's no difference. Now, of course, the original apostles did some very special things. They were physically with Jesus and some of them wrote books of the Bible. That will never be done again. However, the same spirit that was in them that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us today. And the word of God spoken through his son Jesus is still alive in us today and God still wants it to go out and to be authorised and empowered in us. So you're going to then ask yourself this simple question, what do you learn about taking authority from this story? All right, you're going to get into group and you're going to talk about it, but before we do that, I'm going to read this passage to you. Uh, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and just to check your reading, and authority to drive out all and cure. And he sent them out to... Mm. And... Right. Then later on, in chapter 10, verse 1 to 3, it says this, And after this, the Lord appointed 70... Some say 70, some 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into harvest field. By the way, at that point, there were no other workers besides Jesus's workers. Where were the workers coming from? At that time, Jesus had... 12 and then 72 workers. Where were the rest of the workers coming from? They didn't exist. Where were they coming from? Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest for workers. Where are they coming from? From the future. Back to the future. Yes. Right. So this harvest that's wheat somehow gets transformed into workers. Wheat becomes workers. That's a pretty big transformation, don't you reckon? Now, here's an interesting line. Go, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst... How many shepherds would send out lambs to wolves? Does this sound like a safe job? No retirement balance, possible death may, may, may be incurred. No responsibility will be taken. Jesus didn't say this was going to be easy, people. He said it's like lambs amongst wolves. Some people will try to eat you up, take you down, and others will receive and believe. Then the 72, having done that, returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us and read it out. Can you do that again? In your name. Again? In your name. It wasn't just submit to us. It was in your name. That's about authority. 
I'm going to do it. That's another sermon. In the name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He fell from all his power. And he says, I have given. No, say it. I have given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which is another way of saying it's a kind of an allusion to demons, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that point in time, in every Roman town, there was a list of people who were considered citizens of Rome, and they had special privileges and special rights, and they could call upon those rights if in any legal matter. And Jesus is referring to this whole idea to those who were his followers and saying, you are citizens of heaven and you have rights and your name is written there. You have authority and power to do the things I'm sending you. How cool is that? Now, get into groups. I want you to, uh, first of all, take note of 10, 17, 20 because you might need to look that up. But we're going to go back. I want you to get into groups and I want you to do this. What authority has Jesus given to you? What a power is he given to you? If we assume this, that the 12 and the 72 are no different to us. And now, when you've done that, you can get it together and you can pray for one another. And if anybody feels like a prisoner or a captive, you can say, I've got a thing that I'd like you to pray for today. And in the name of Jesus, you can take them through that simple process. Do you, need, do you want to tell God you're sorry about that? Repent? Do you want to cancel the contract? Do you want to invite Jesus into that part of your life? You could be used by God to set someone free today. And if not now, maybe this afternoon. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. And maybe you'll get set free even more so you can do more of that. All right, so get together in groups. You've got five to seven minutes and then at that time to talk about it and how you might apply that in your life and then you're going to pray for one another.